Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the Wickedly Smart Women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest. And welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we welcome our special guest, Teresa Harlow. Teresa is an expert on co-parenting, a public speaker, blogger, and the author of the book, Happily Divorced. Her mission is to take positive co-parenting from being an exception to being the expectation for all divorced parents, their kids, and their loved ones. Her wish is that all divorced couples find both comfort and a method to ensure their painful decision does not have to mean a pain-filled life. She advocates for use of the golden rule to improve every relationship from the former spouse to a coworker, child, parent, or even an adversary. So I'm really excited to bring you to the show today. Teresa, you and I met at the National Publicity Summit in April of 2019 in New York City, and I'm really excited that you were able to say yes to yourself and come on to share your gifts and your magic and your message and your mission with our Wickedly Smart Women. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Emerald. I'm really excited to be here too. Beautiful. Well, I want to start because I believe all of our uh, Wickedly Smart Women are led into experiences in order to serve and then they get called you know, from that experience to serve others. So I'd love to hear you talk to us about what called you to become an expert on co-parenting. <laughs> well, the experience I've developed over the last 20 years really has resulted in this calling. That and the fact that I've, I've witnessed it go so differently for so many other children and their parents so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to providing other options mm, to your beautiful. audience. Yeah, beautiful. So let's talk, let's go right into the idea of leading. And, you know, you obviously have chosen to step into a leadership role, not only with this particular mission, but also into a leadership role in the relationship that you obviously must have had to have crafted with your former spouse. And um, so I'd love to hear about that journey for you. I'd love to hear about, you know, it's not a normal thing for people to be talking about being happily divorced and, and co-parenting mm -hmm. and positive, powerful ways. So I'd love to hear a little bit more of your backstory. Sure. So, you know, Bob and I, my ex-husband's name is Bob. We had been married for about nine years, 10 years at the point where I I was the one that actually told him I'm I'm ready for a divorce. <laughs> uh, but we had been really traveling toward this for probably a good four years. And you really just get to the point where the car is only able to go forward. And so I announced to Bob that 
I thought it was time that we needed to move on in our relationship to another place. And, you know, it all culminated, it all started right there because he said to me in that moment that I said, I want a divorce. He says, Teresa, do you realize you're going to miss half of your son's childhood? And wow, I really hadn't prepared myself to hear something like that. And it felt like a truck had just sat on my chest. And I was just, you know, absorbed by those words. And I thought, wow, that cannot be what happens next. Because we had actually spent two years trying to get pregnant. And the last thing I wanted to do then was become a a half parent, you know, give up half of that uh, after trying so hard and looking forward to enjoying all those special moments. And so in that moment, I really decided I had to find a better way. I had to find a way that we couldn't find as a married couple. And ironically, a lot of the problems we had in communicating as a divorced or as a married couple, I solved with this approach as a divorced couple. We communicate far better now. A part of that is just because we live in two homes. We don't have to deal with a lot of those things that trigger each other, right? (laughs) But there's also far more intention put toward it than we ever gave it. And I was as complicit as him. And, you know, we just weren't nice to each other. When we were together, we didn't worry about how our words impacted the other person or what our choices meant to the other person. We just made them really self-centered, if you will, on both parts, I think. And when it came down to us being a divorced couple, co-parenting, and every word I said, every action I took came with the potential consequence of missing out on special moments with my child. It was a whole new equation for me. Mm. So I want to drill a little bit deeper there because you said that you are living in two houses. And so that to me means like you are still missing half of your child's life unless I'm missing something here. So I'd love to have you go a little bit deeper and you know maybe help our listeners to understand a little bit more about how you've crafted your relationship so that you're not in that FOMO, you know, that fear of missing out. Right. Well, and I wouldn't say it, you know, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same as living in the same home. But some of the things we did to to really reduce the separation from our child included things like choosing to live close to each other. That one decision meant we didn't spend a lot of time commuting back and forth to each other's homes. It sounds simple, but when you've got a child that's in activities and you have soccer equipment and and even little things like just a, a stuffed animal that's at one house and not the other, transporting those things back and forth just logistically was part of that equation. But there were more fundamentally, because we took this positive approach to co-parenting, and by the way, co-parenting wasn't even a term back then, 20 years ago. It was called shared parenting, and it was just kind of something that every once in a while people were doing. We did some things to ensure that we could both be in the same place at the same time. I mean, how many divorced couples, you know, or, or children of divorced couples 
where the father and mother can't even be in the same room together. And so who's left to figure that out? Is it the child? The child has to figure out who can be there and who can't, or a parent just concedes and misses out. And so we didn't have to make those hard choices because we chose to treat each other based on this golden rule approach. And that allowed us to jointly enjoy all those special times that our son would have just once. He couldn't duplicate everything for our benefit. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. So I do have to ask the hard question though, Teresa. Like I keep hearing you say we, right? You and your former spouse were choosing, right? And that alone demonstrates a certain level of consciousness on both of your parts that you chose, he chose, you chose together, like you were consciously choosing, right? And what I heard in the early part of the story is when you were still married or in the marriage, that you were kind of unconscious, right? You were kind of unconsciously like not even caring what the other person was thinking or doing or feeling or whatever, right? And so I'd love to have you speak to if there was like an awakening for both of you or something that allowed you to both come into a position individually and collectively where you were were making conscious choice. Because uh, I just, you know, my own backstory, even though I was practicing the golden rule, at least I believed I was practicing the golden rule, that wasn't happening on the other side of the equation. And so, you know, there are circumstances, I having lived through the circumstance where there are people who are on the other side of the equation who may even be genuinely psychotic. Yeah, Um, for sure. And so, yeah, I'd love to have you speak a little bit more deeply to that. I I mean, I'm going to share a personal story here. My former husband, I call him my husband, and I understand it now, 20 some odd years later, but during the process of the divorce and for years after the divorce, would do weird shit like put bones on my car and you know my front doorstep I would find a bloody Halloween finger I mean like genuinely threatening weird psychotic behavior and I had to share parenting with this person so I totally would love to see the world that you envision and I believe that that's possible for a lot of people but I really feel like it would be a disservice to our listeners to not speak to those circumstances where one party wants to be conscious and the other doesn't. So this is kind of a multi-part question here. Sure. The first (laughs) thing I want to talk about is did you or your husband or both of you have some kind of consciousness awakening? Let's talk about that first. Then we'll go to a short break. And when we come back, maybe you can talk a little bit more about the adversarial parent thing. Yes, sure. So did we have an awakening? I know I did because, like I said, that truck was sitting on my chest and I had to get it off. And I'm sure Bob felt some of that too. But, you know, I think one of the reasons that we were able to both get there is because we had a common foundation of common principles, right? We both had a similar understanding of what's right and wrong. Having said that, if I wouldn't have probably started the process down this path of treating him differently than I had when we were married, 
we would still be fighting over everything. So, you know, I, I believe a lot in karma and what you put out there comes back to you. Now, after the break, we'll talk about where that fails, but generally speaking, most people reciprocate what you give them. They're a mirror for you. And so if you give them angst, you're going to get that back. And if you give them something kind, and this is where it has to be kind in the sense that how, how do you know if it's kind to somebody else, right? You don't. You really can't predict that. So it, it's unrealistic to say, well, my kind is the same as what you perceive as kind. So I can't get there. But where I can get to is knowing what is kind to me. And a lot of times we don't even do that. And if we can just start there and do what we know we would appreciate, it's, it's a good foundational starting point. Beautiful. So I want to really underscore this piece right here, Teresa. I really want to underscore this piece because I think for many women, wickedly smart, and those of us who are wickedly smart and women in the making, right? Because it is sometimes being, becoming wickedly smart is a, is a journey, right? What I really want to underscore there is what you said about what would I feel would be kind to me. And I, I feel like so many women in particular don't even know what would be kind to them, right? And so the invitation that you're giving women right now is a very profound, deep, powerful invitation. And the other thing I just want to say to our listeners is that when you know how to be kind to yourself, you're naturally going to be, as Teresa said, in most cases, attracting that kindness back. And certainly you're going to be a beacon of kindness for your child or your children. So that may be enough, right? And so right. good. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. It's amazing how quickly this goes. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about those adversarial circumstances. But for now, Wickedly Smart Women, we need your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world and are already in 13 countries. So I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Hong Kong. We will be right back with Teresa Harlow. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, 
be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Teresa Harlow, who is the author, along with Bob and Ian Harlow, of the book, Happily Divorced, A Journey Through Divorce and Co-Parenting by the Golden Rule. And before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, being kind to yourself and being kind to the best of your ability to the other person. And we also talked a little bit about how to handle it when your significant other or spouse or former spouse is um, not being kind back to you, is being ad- really adversarial. I'd love to hear, Teresa, from you, what guidance and advice you have for women who might be in that situation. Sure. So at the very beginning of the book, in the intro, I talk about disqualifiers. A- and there are just absolutely some disqualifiers. At least in my mind, I can't imagine that you would be able to make this work in a scenario where there's been physical violence or verbal abuse. And and let's be clear, verbal abuse can be a gray area, right? What you think is verbal abuse may not really rise to the level of true verbal abuse. But when you're talking about extreme behaviors that are truly damaging to someone either psychologically or physically, I think it's going to be really challenging in those cases to get to the place where Bob and I got. You may be able to make some headway with time. You know, and again, I think you have to have a foundation of similar principles of what is right and wrong. And if you don't, and it sounds like your husband, the one, maybe had a different idea of what was right and wrong if he thought putting a bloody finger or whatever it was on your doorstep was okay, you know, or maybe he knew that was wrong. He probably did, right? It's hard to know. I, you know, the truth is I, I became much more conscious over time and it was only after my son reached majority, reached 18, that at that point there's just been no contact at all. And it took me actually until last year and my son is, you know, we've been divorced now since 2001, right? took me till last year to actually come to understanding about what was actually going on. And my understanding, which I'm just going to say this is my understanding, is he was projecting all of his unfinished mother business on me. And I just was like completely confused. And he was one of 15 children. So there was a whole bunch of unfinished mother (laughs) going on there. So um, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about my story. What I really want to do is I want to make sure that the people who are listening who may be in, you know, the disqualifier situation understand that it's important for you to make sure that you're safe, to make sure that you have a positive supportive environment around you and to make sure that the child is safe or children are safe. Those are like top priorities, number one. And then from there, you know, with intent as, as much as possible, create the best possible co-parenting situation that you can with Teresa's guidance. So Teresa, I like to open randomly and I open to shaky ground, bringing new adults into our child's life. And at that point in my relationship, when I brought a new adult in, 
that actually amplified abhorrent behavior on the other side even further. So yeah. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that chapter, if you would, like what, because ha- we are, we are entitled to have good, positive, powerful, loving relationships with other people. Yeah. And dicier stuff. I, I went through a process of rewriting big portions of this book because when my ex read the first cut of it, he became really disenchanted, begged me, don't put this out there. Don't write this. And he went as far as to say, you know, look, we're not friends. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wait a minute. I'm writing a book about positive co-parenting and how we're still friends. And the last chapter can't say it was all good until I wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. So definitely when you get into the terrain of introducing other adults, you hit upon you know, some of the really sensitive notes for the other person, which is why probably your ex's behavior amplified because you were, you were touching that nerve and making it hurt again, right? So I, I think what I really would like is to know if you have any immediately actionable steps or strategies or tactics that you offer to people when you're working with them to help ease that transition when another person is coming in to, you know, maybe just for the kids, maybe just for, you know, the relationship with the former spouse or whatever. Is there like, do you have a tactic that you suggest people other than the golden rule and being kind to one another? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, framed with the golden rule around it, not to be redundant, but Think about how do you, if it were you being introduced to a new party, how how would you want that to play out? Uh, You probably don't want it to happen in front of the kids and you probably don't want to be the last to know. So don't do those things to your spouse. Make sure that you tell them at a point where things turn to some level of a committed relationship that's going to continue. I mean, you don't have to tell them about every date you have, right? But if you're going to be having their child, your joint child, spend time with this other person, then it's probably appropriate that they know about them and you can start to help them become more comfortable with what that means. Like, well, are they moving in or are they just coming to a soccer game here or there? you know, what's this person like? Is it a complete mystery? You know, they're going to want to know just as I wanted to know when someone was entering Bob's life and I'd size them up and I'd make my judgments and I was, you know, not always right about those judgments, but it's threatening to the other parent because that person represents someone that could potentially be someone that takes their place or they may at least see it that way. And you have to be mindful of that and, you know, help them understand that's not what this is about. Everyone really deserves happiness, including them. And, you know, I would like to let Bob know that I expect you to to go down this path and I want your happiness Mm -hmm. because you and I can't be happy together. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be happy with someone else. And I hope you want that same thing for me. Hmm. Because if, if I'm happy, then the environment my son lives in is going to be better. And that means that time that he spends at my house is going to be more stable 
And that is a good thing for all of us. Yeah, beautiful. Good things for all of us. Well, uh, <laughs> listeners, make sure that you check out Teresa at TeresaHarlow.com. We're going to have that information in the show notes, but let me spell it for you. It's T-E-R-E-S-A-H-A-R-L-O-W.com. Uh, she does have chapters from the book there, Happily Divorced, A Journey Through Divorce and Co-Parenting by the Golden Rule. And I'm sure you can also get the book on Amazon, right? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So you can get the book on Amazon. And Teresa, before we close, we're really at the end here. What I'd love to ask next is um, kind of one final question about the courage that it took for you to not only get divorced, not only intentionally create a co-parenting situation with your former husband, but then to take your life and literally put it out there in a book and now be speaking about it. I'd love to have you just talk a little bit about where you get your courage and what you do to keep that courage muscle well exercised. (laughs) Well, it's funny you say courage because a friend of mine, when I told people on Facebook, when I first started writing it, hey, I'm writing a book and this is what it's about. And I'm going to start posting on my blog, uh, giving you some snippets from the book, the upcoming book at that time. And one of my friends said, how courageous of you. And I thought, what does she mean by that? I didn't really consider it courageous. I considered it sharing information. You know what I hate? I hate to have to walk a path that someone already has. They could have saved me a lot of trouble. They could have saved me a lot of heartache. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like to drink in someone else's experience so that I can hopefully do it better and then move it forward. Hmm. And that's, I guess, where I'm at. Yeah, (laughs) beautiful. Well, thank you for being willing to be somebody who would share and who would step into, again, a leadership role to help others, you know, be able to have some guidance and some pointers on the path that they might be traveling that uh, they wouldn't have otherwise. So I really appreciate you for doing that. I really appreciate you for coming on the show. And uh, listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line at 540-402-0043, extension 4343, or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.